into the contest. It's Wednesday the 18th of August. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by Shane Lee. Shane, we've got our picks, we've got our shovels. We're changing our format slightly today as we dig deep into some of the big stories. And we'll also have some fun along the way. Mate, looking forward to it. We, we won't have to dig too deep to uh, put Justin Langer into a grave because he's only about four foot two. But uh, <laughs> look, there's, there's lots to talk about, mate. Um, yeah, Justin Langer in particular. And will he remain Australian cricket coach? I don't think so. Yeah, some big issues, including Justin Langer. Eddie Betts says farewell. What a player he's been. And this whole drama around Tommy Turbo. And he's picked to play on Friday night. Now, Shane, we've been talking about this for a few days, the whole Justin Langer story, the dust-up with the cricket staffer, all the drama, but this tension has been building over time. It does raise the big question now, is he gone? I think he's in real big trouble, mate. He's actually contracted till the middle of next year, but as Adam Gilchrist came out in the press, they are very good mates, Gilchrist and Langer, and he said Cricket Australia need to put these rumours to bed. The rumours are Justin Langer will be sacked, who will replace him? We could talk about that in a second, but yeah, he's, he's under a lot of pressure. His style hasn't gelled that well with the players in the team, and um, he knows there's direct leaks from that team to the media. Do you think it needs, it's become a bit of a buzz term now, circuit breaker. We see it right across politics and sport. Does it need that? Because the the loss in Bangladesh was humiliating. I mean, mm. and I'm not, not that's not having a crack at Bangladesh, but they're a minnow in world cricket. It wouldn't matter what team we sent. We should go there and win. Yeah, we should do. It was a, a second-strength team, but saying that, we should win. Um, but our, our style and approach was poor. We keep playing a lot of big shots. I know it's a T20 match over there, but... Yeah, not, not really good. In my opinion, I, I think Justin Langer should go and I think he should be replaced by Trevor Bayliss. Wow. He has a very easygoing style. He's um, he's coached New South Wales to many successes. He's coached in the IPL and won many times over there and coached England. I got them back on track and um, his style would really sit well with this generation of cricketers. He's a steady hand, isn't he? And I'll tell you what, I, I like the sound of that because he did mm. coach England and, of course, humiliatingly, we lost to them while he was coaching. Yeah. But it'd be great if, if we got him in by the ashes because he'll know all their secrets. Yeah, definitely, mate. And he's got a really, as I said, really easygoing mm. style yep. and um, and a very good cricket brain. And uh, I think Justin Langer's time is up. We have a big 12 months of cricket for Australia and you know, the T20 and the ashes, as you said. So time to make the change, but let's make it right now. Well, what about this T20 World Cup? We've got a horror draw. They, that's, they need to get it right quick because we've got this problem of state versus club, state versus franchise, country. Like players are caught in between bubbles and where they'll play and how they'll play. But we've got a, like a nightmare draw at this T20 World Cup. Yeah, look, it looks like a horrible draw. And I think mm. um, our fate will come down to the match versus the West Indies, who are the current T20 champions. They've been yeah. to seven times out of uh, the last eight matches. So, yeah, we've got to be on our game there. But uh, once again, Justin, Justin Langer, if he's coaching, he's going to be under the pump there as well. Yeah, final thing on cricket here. And Joe Root, look, he's scoring runs, batting beautifully. And uh, look, I don't think there's any question in around whether he can play the game of cricket. But... 
boy, he's got some critics around his captaincy. Uh, they're struggling in England at the moment. As we know, we're just a few months away from mm. them travelling here for this all-important Ashes series. Um, he's been criticised by ex-cricketers in England. He's been criticised by ex-cricketers here in Australia. And it's one thing about the English cricket supporters. They'll be your best friends, but if it's not going that well, they'll start coming at you. Big time, mate. And don't forget, he scored 180 runs in the first innings of that last test match. Oh, I so I as a batsman, he goes to number two all-time run scorers for England. Um, but his caps, you know, Ian Chappell's been very vocal about this and he's, he tends to lose his way in a match, doesn't see when things are not going right. Um, he's very, very good in the press conference post-match, but it's no good being good in a post-mortem. You need to be making changes when things are going awry on the field. Yeah, I hope he's still wobbling by the time he gets to Australia because a 5-0 win in the Ashes, as Glenn McGrath used to always predict, would be fantastic for the Australian (laughs) psyche and morale, I think, this summer. Let's have a look at the footy because the AFL last round this weekend, before we start to look at the finals, it's Eddie Betts' final game, final AFL game, a guy that's kicked well over 650 goals. This will be his 350th game. He's been such a live wire on the field, such a spokesperson for his Mm. people off the field, um, just a just an amazing athlete, an amazing human. Well, what a what a great footballer. B what a great role model, and and what a superstar on the field um, and an entertainer. Um, Seventeen year career, as you said, six hundred thirty eight goals across. This will be his three hundred fiftieth match, um, and he's now urged his teammates post his retirement to use their voice in the fight against racism. Good on you, Eddie Betts. You're a superstar. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In the final round, who you gonna who's gonna win this comp? I've said Geelong. Do you, do you, who who do you think's gonna win this comp in the AFL? Who's gonna get the flag? I think on their day, the Western Bulldogs could win, but I think the final will be between. Um, I'm gonna say uh, the Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans. Okay, we'll watch that with interest. Mm. Now, look, the Northern Beaches. You live up on the Northern Beaches. <laughs> What's going on with Desi and Tommy Turbo? <laughs> look, look, Desi. Look, he even. I'm sure that he even crafts his media conferences to sometimes, <laughs> all the time, sound a lot more daft than he is. He's a very clever guy, and sometimes he likes playing games. Last weekend, we heard Turbo fractured his cheekbone. Oh, no, he's gone until and, – and look, he's, he's in to play on Friday night now. That's how much his story's ticked down the road. Yeah, big time, and it was only bruising. And I think he was probably saved um, all reports that he has a metal plate in that cheek. Mm. Um, so that probably protected – it's an old fracture there. So yeah. he's going to play, which is great news for Manly. And, and yeah, that team is definitely on a high at the moment and, and really getting good momentum into the finals. Yeah, now let's have a, have a look at tennis because uh, Naomi Osaka, again, it's been a, a drama for her, hasn't it? We saw the, the highs of her in Tokyo lighting the flame, but um, a media conference in Cincinnati, she's broken down in tears and, and left, the, left the conference. One of the journos, one of the locals, has basically pinged a question and, and been labelled a bully by Osaka's manager by saying, oh, how do you try and uh, work out the, you know, the difference between coming in here in a media conference and then, then using the media to sprout everything else that you do in your life? Um, it was a pretty pointed question um, and, and basically what he was indicating was that, oh, okay, you just want the media on your terms. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Look, I, I really do feel for Na- Naomi Osaka. She's been through a tough time. She's pulled out of major tournaments, so it, it is real. But I do also feel for the journalist here because he, he's got he's allowed to ask questions, and 
these days, if you ask a question that someone doesn't like the question you're asking them, all of a sudden you're a bully. I think it's just going way too far. Um, He's respectful in the way he asked it. Yes, he was he was probing, but that's his job. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting space, isn't it? It's a difficult one. Roger mm. Federer, is it the end for Roger? He is 40. He's, he's not that much younger than you and I. It's been extraordinary. He's got this operation. But at some point, he's got to put the Prince racket on the wall, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, he's been my favourite tennis player of all time. We share a birthday, the 8th of August. And um, mm. yeah, I, I think uh, once your knees start going, even though he's very has a light frame and, and very light on his feet, I just think... Um, it, it's going to be time for Roger and he should bow out the legend that he is. Yeah, it is time. Look, and you don't like ever saying goodbye to someone who's no. had such a mark on a sport, but but nothing lasts forever. We know that. All right, now, what we're going to try and do every day also is just wind back the clock, look back into the past. <laughs> so today, the 1996 Cricket World Cup. Now, it was a very interesting time for both you and... And me, you as a young cricketer going on that uh, World Cup to the subcontinent under controversial circumstances. Australia yes. boycotted the first game against Sri Lanka because of the the, the terrorist act, where, which killed over eighty people in Colombo. So your first game was uh, in Vijayapatnam in India, but you're already on the back foot when you went there, and you were young. You're the youngest guy on the team. Well, how do you reflect back then? Uh, it was an amazing time. Uh, I remember I would have went anywhere. I would have went to a war zone to be part of that um, World Cup. Yeah. And at the time, I was learning guitar. So I uh, convinced Michael Slater and, and Michael Bevan at the time, he bought a, a bass guitar. For those of you who don't know, the uh, acoustic guitar has six strings. The bass only has four, and they're really thick. And Michael Bevan carried this bass, heavy bass guitar about 60 hours on a trip to get to India and asked me to tune it. And I've never tuned a bass guitar. And as I tuned the big, thick top string, it broke. And, oh. and Bevan just blew up and said, where the fuck am I going to get a bass string in guitar? <laughs> so he wasn't happy. He left it on the on the hotel room floor, mate, and uh, never played it. <laughs> oh, that's extraordinary. Well, we'll talk about carting things around the world. It was So it was 1990s, a long time ago. I was working for, for 2UE, and that, that was when that big radio network was them, 3AW, all around the country, and I covered the cricket for them for a number of years. So I had to take an Inmarsat telephone in a suitcase with me across to <laughs> India, which I found out the night before was illegal in India because of the Tamils, because oh. it overrode the telecommunication system. So I'm shitting myself on the plane before I even leave. I think, here I am. I like you, I would have gone anywhere to cover it, and I did, but I was that nervous. I thought, by the time I get to Mumbai Airport, someone's going to say, mate, what's that? Come into the jail cell. But what happened was I walked straight up to a customs officer, and I said, oh, I've got this phone. And I said, I'm here for the cricket, the World Cup. He goes, go straight through. Go straight through. So I just took the phone and went straight through. But, but the big break for me, Shane, came on that tour because you guys played in Vijayapatnam, and you may or may not remember, but all the commentators like Richie Benno, Ravi Shastri, Sonny Gavaska, all of them, Ian Chappell, Tony Gregg, caught up in a massive travel drama. So they weren't going to get to the ground. These are the TV commentators for the world coverage. So we're in the bar the night before drinking Kingfishers, and the producer, the TV producer, comes up to me 
I've never done TV before, just a few years into my radio sports cricket reporting. And he goes, Tim, you ever done TV commentary before? I said, no, no, I haven't. I'm about three or four kingfishers deep and a couple of a couple of curry puffs and some butter chicken. I said, no, no. And I said, he goes, well, mate, we need you tomorrow because the commentators aren't going to be here. So the first 20 minutes of your first game of that whole World Cup for the whole world coverage was me commentating with Michael Slater, who was 15th man. It was 15th well, man. It was appalling. My commentary was absolutely appalling. I had Morris Adumbe <laughs> opening the bowling and he was 12th man. But a few months later, they saw enough initiative to give me a go. And that's how it all started at Channel 9. I was there for, what, 23 years before I got punted off the Today Show. Have you heard uh, that commentary um, since? I have. I, I have uh, once or twice, but uh, oh, they were crazy days. Wonderful days, but crazy, crazy days. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Shane. Yeah, www.xblades.com.au. And our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.